Welcome to the Marketing Science Podcast, the podcast for sales and marketing professionals working within science, engineering, and healthcare. My name is Danny Lazell, your host for season four. And in this week's episode, I sat down with Torsten Christensen to discuss all things email marketing with a focus on what we have learned from sending over 250 million emails. Brilliant. Thank you, Danny. So over the past decade, I've had the opportunity to gain more than 10 years of experience in email marketing. And during this time, I've been part of a team at Azo Network that's been building a comprehensive email marketing platform. This experience has provided me with unique insights into the challenges and opportunities of email marketing within the scientific, engineering, and manufacturing sectors. Now, email marketing, why do we bother? Why do we do it? Email marketing offers some unique benefits that other marketing channels don't. It allows you to directly reach and engage with your target audience without interference from the likes of Google. It allows you to nurture leads and generate a high return on investment. In the STEM sectors, it's particularly valuable for establishing your company as an industry thought leader, showcasing your technical expertise and building strong, direct relationships with your clients and partners. By implementing the strategies we discussed today, you'll be well on your way to developing effective email marketing campaigns for your own organization. So the foundation of any successful marketing campaign, email marketing campaign, is a strong email list. So let's talk about how you can build and maintain a high quality list for your campaigns. First, it's important to ensure that you're using opt-in strategies to build your list. This means that subscribers willingly provide their email addresses and give you permission to send them marketing emails. Implementing double opt-in where subscribers confirm their email address through a confirmation email is a great way to maintain a clean list and comply with data protection regulations. It's not about tricking people to sign up to your emails or getting as many people's on your list in any way possible. It's about demonstrating the value you can provide to users and delivering on that to people who want to engage with you and your content. So how do you do that? Start thinking about your lead magnets. A lead magnet is an incentive you offer in exchange for a person's contact information. In the scientific engineering and manufacturing industries, lead magnets can include technical white papers, exclusive webinars, or industry reports that provide valuable information to your target audience. Finally, it's crucial to manage and maintain your email list over time. Regularly clean your list by removing unengaged subscribers and updating contact information. This ensures that your emails are reaching the right people reducing bounce rates, and improving your overall email deliverability, meaning your emails are less likely to get caught in spam filters. So now that we've got a strong foundation, let's move on to discuss crafting compelling content for your email campaigns. So how can you provide value for your subscribers to keep them engaged over time? How do you nurture these leads into a purchasing position? Looking back at your lead magnets is a great start. You can use this same content for the emails you send out. It's important to identify several types of content, though, so that you can diversify what you provide in your emails. This is going to ensure that your subscribers receive a diverse range of information, and that will keep them engaged and interested in your company. We have done some analysis on our own emails. Here you can see the impact, including certain words or phrases in the subject line, has on open rates. You can see that broader content, so downloads, 
ebooks, posters, they all work really well for us. Product related emails do less well. And that's simply just because most subscribers aren't going to be in a stage where they're ready to buy a product. And that isn't to say that you shouldn't be sending product emails. You just need to know when and who to send those emails to. And we'll come on to that in a little bit. So moving on to subject lines and uh, preview text. Your subject line is the first impression subscribers will have of your email. And it plays a significant role in whether they decide to open it. In the STEM sectors, it's important to use industry-specific language and terminology that your audience will understand but you want to keep your subject lines concise and focused. And you can use the preview text as well to provide additional context or a brief summary of the content within the email. When creating the body of your email, remember to balance technical information with engaging content. Whilst it's important to showcase your company's expertise, you also should make the content easily digestible and appealing to a wide range of readers. You can use visuals such as infographics or images to break up text and enhance the overall user experience. It's important to remember, though, that your subscribers are busy people. And by using digestible language, you're making it easier for them to read and engage with. So it's the job of the email to hook people in. And once they've clicked or engaged with the email in some way, at that point, you can start to highlight the more technical aspects of the content on your your own website. So moving on to personalization and segmentation. How can you make sure that the right people are receiving your emails at the right time? Personalization and segmentation are two powerful strategies that can significantly improve the effectiveness of your email campaigns. Personalization involves tailoring your emails to each individual recipient based on their preferences, behaviors, or other data points. So this can be as simple as addressing the recipient by their name, or it can be as advanced as providing content recommendations based on their browsing history. Segmentation, on the other hand, is the process of dividing your overall email list into smaller, more targeted groups, depending on, based on various specific criteria. In the scientific engineering and manufacturing industries, you can segment your audience based on factors such as job role, industry, company size, or even the stage of the buying process that your subscribers are at. By segmenting your list, you can send highly relevant content to each group, improving the overall effectiveness of your campaign. On the right here, you can see we have an example of some personalization and segmentation criteria we used for a recent green energy email we sent out. So moving on to staying organized and how you can make sure that you're sending emails at the right time and making it work with your overall marketing strategy. As you create and implement your email marketing campaigns, staying organized is essential for ensuring that consistent and timely communication with your subscribers. So one of the best ways to achieve this is by using a calendar. This allows you to schedule your email campaigns in advance, keep track of important dates, content themes, and marketing objectives. By having a clear overview of your campaigns, you can easily coordinate your email marketing efforts with other marketing channels and initiatives. Here you can see our newsletter calendar that we use, and this helps us stay organized, uh, manage our time, and ultimately execute more effective email marketing campaigns. 
Then moving on to how you measure the success of your email marketing efforts. So to maximize your email marketing potential, it's vital to measure the campaign success and continually optimize the emails that you send out. Analyzing key performance indicators helps identify areas for enhancement and helps you make data-driven decisions. Here we'll look at three essential KPIs uh, for Azo Network and our emails. So on the right at the top there, we've got um, clicks per newsletter edition. This measures the total number of clicks within a specific email or newsletter edition. And this provides us insight into the overall engagement and effectiveness of that email. Then in the middle, we've got total subscribers. This obviously represents the overall email list size, allowing us to gauge the growth of the email list, the health of it, and also track the list building success. So making sure that our list building activities are are successful. Then at the bottom, we've got the open rate. So this measures the percentage of recipients who open the email, indicating the effectiveness of subject lines and preview text. Additional KPIs would include click-through rate, bounce rate, and conversion rate. And these are all crucial for measuring campaign effectiveness. After you've analyzed your KPIs, you can use those insights to optimize your campaigns. You can use A-B testing to compare different email elements, such as subject lines, calls to action, buttons. And by testing these components, it allows you to refine your campaigns for better performance and ROI. And again, you can do data-driven analysis to find trends across your emails over time. So as before here, we've got how the impact of including certain words in in our emails affects the open rate. So measuring success and optimizing your email campaigns are critical for effectiveness and delivering tangible results within your email marketing strategy. So in conclusion, effective email marketing involves building a strong email list, use opt-in strategies and lead magnets to attract engaged subscribers, craft compelling content, make sure to balance technical information with engaging content and use strong subject lines, personalization and segmentation, tailor content to individual recipients and divide your list into targeted groups. Staying organized, schedule your campaigns in advance and ensure consistent communication. And then measuring success and optimizing your campaigns, analyze your KPIs such as clicks per email, total subscribers and open rate to refine and improve your email marketing efforts. By applying these strategies, you'll enhance your email marketing campaigns, establish yourselves as thought leaders, engage your audience, and drive tangible results. Thank you. Back to you, Danny. TC, thanks for that. First question is, I wanted to pick up on what you said at the very beginning, which was about interference from the likes of Google and things like that. Is is that the Mm -hmm. biggest sort of benefit of email marketing? The fact that you own your list and you have control over control? Yeah, it's certainly a significant benefit. Um, You know, it provides a, a direct line with, uh, your audience that um, algorithm changes on Google or other social media sites can't impact. Um, whether it's the the biggest benefit, um, I'm not sure. For me, I, I think the biggest advantage of email marketing in general is uh, the ability to build upon um, 
relation existing relationships that you have with your your customers and and nurture them o- over time yeah and so i guess you're saying in there the big part of that is to keep your to keep your list clean uh, and to mm-hmm. constantly be monitoring it in a sort of a practical world if you've got a list of sort of several thousand tens of thousands how do you how do you go about doing that yeah um so the process involves uh, you know removing in- inactive subscribers uh correcting invalid email addresses or removing them completely um and then also segmenting it into into um different lists based on engagement levels or, or other parameters um a lot of uh, email marketing platforms include the ability to automatically clean the lists um but there are other tools available as well um that are, you know a quick google will will be able to help you find so i this off the top of my head i know this there's um zero bounce um clear out and never bounce they're they're three tools you can use to help help clean your lists what are the main benefits of having a clean list um yeah so it, it's gonna help ensure that um it's gonna help ensure that you're delivering high engagement and um improving your deliverable deliverability rates um so if you've if you've got a, a list full of uh, email addresses that are, are no longer used or and they they bounce often um then that's going to impact your spam score and emails are going to end up going into getting caught by more spam filters perfect and um, one thing that i'm sure everyone is very aware of and that people are constantly concerned about or focused on is uh, compliance so how, how can the marketers on this call how can we how do we ensure that compliance when running email marketing campaigns yeah so regulations like GDPR or the the Can Spam Act, um, they could be we could have a whole webinar on those topics um, alone. But um, essentially, ensuring that you're complying with those involves um, obtaining clear uh, consent when you add people to your subscriber list, um, providing clear and easy ways for subscribers to unsubscribe. Um, and then another good one is to use your physical address at the bottom of your emails. Um, and then just ultimately make sure you're sending relevant, high-quality content to your subscribers. Uh, and then there's, there's a couple of points in, in the chat already, but I wanted to ask about the, the subject lines. So we obviously in our marketing team send out a lot of emails as well. We're constantly testing new subject lines. Is there any sort of best practice is there an optimal number of words characters that you'd recommend yeah so there's there's no um definitive rule or anything like that um it's going to vary depending on your audience and the content of the email but um a rule of thumb that we we try to stick to is between 50 and 60 characters um we found that after that um, various email clients are going to start cutting off the subject lines. So uh, if you can get the, the main the main core of your subject into 50 to 60 characters, you should be in a good place. Cool. And then let's talk about those email clients. So you've got your Outlooks, your Gmails, et cetera, that most people are using. When you're using a um, an email marketing tool or if you're writing the HTML yourself, what do you need to take into consideration in terms of the design and to, to ensure that it's optimized for all those all those mm-hmm. different platforms. 
Yes. So one of the most important factors um, when when building emails is to is to make sure that it's responsive, to make sure that it's you can view it on mobile devices, on tablets and things like that, as well as on desktop. Um, to help with that, um, you can make sure that you're using relatively simple layouts, um, web safe fonts um, and alt text for images. Um, then when you go to test your emails on, on Outlook and various other email clients, Gmail, things like that, um, that's going to really help make sure that everything looks consistent across all those different different clients. Yeah. And iPad's always a good one as well, isn't it? Because I think people often forget about checking optimization for tablets, but mm-hmm. they'll check phones, they'll check Gmail, they'll check Outlook, and then it will look completely different on a tablet. So worth yeah. doing running all those tests. And um, are there any sort of trends that you've seen about the sort of maximum minimum length of email that you would recommend? Is it so I see, especially with newsletters, you see a lot more very long, in-depth newsletters now. Is that something that's becoming more of a trend, or would you recommend keeping it keeping emails newsletters to a sort of shorter length? Yeah. So again, it's it's gonna vary quite a bit depending on the content that you're sending out. Um a rule that I generally try to stick to is that um, an email should be no longer than it than it needs to be. Um, so you're still providing the, that value um, and you're still getting the, the, the reader to engage with it, but you should still be respecting your audience's is time and attention. Um, so deliver that, that value, but still try to keep it quite concise. But that isn't to say, as you say, you know, some some subscribers and some audiences do prefer kind of a longer longer form uh, piece of content in their email, so it it it, it will vary. And so in, in you know a lot of cases, I'd, I'd recommend doing some A/B testing on that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just on sort of email newsletter, what works better is I imagine most people on the call have a monthly newsletter, maybe more frequent. They're probably sponsoring uh, certain other newsletters as well. When is a standalone email sort of a better solution than running your news, putting just including whatever content you were going to put mm-hmm. in that email into a, into a newsletter? Yeah. Um, so standalone emails are great for um, announcements, important announcements and things like that, special promotions, um, or just when you want to highlight a specific topic. Um if it if those things go in a newsletter, you might find that the other content is distracting from those things that you want to draw attention to. So uh, having a single standalone email might be a better solution in in some of those cases. Um, you know, also thinking about uh, if it if a piece of content is is relevant just to a certain segment of your subscriber list. In that case as well, it might be might be a good idea to to go with a, a single standalone email. Perfect. Um, the next question I've got is mainly thinking about when people are sending out invites to events or webinars or or things like that. If you're going to do sort of three, four sends for the same campaign to a similar audience, what can what can people do to sort of avoid email fatigue or to to re- reduce the amount of unsubscribes between those different sends? Yeah. So um, when sending out an email campaign with you know as you say three or four emails it's important to um kind of split the the topic up into various different 
segments. So you've got, so you're making sure that you've always got um, relevant high quality information to send out for each of those sends. So um, at the very minimum, you could just be changing the subject line from send to send. Um, although ideally you'd be, you'd be, swapping out content from one cent to another to to try and keep that engagement as high as it can be. Yeah. I, I know for webinars, we try to sort of split the three cents. So one's about the whole event. One's more focused on the speaker, particularly if they're a high profile key opinion leader, lots of the industry will know. And then the third one more about what the audience will, will get. So we sort of try, try to differentiate the three to make it, to make them different basically and to, to, to increase more signups. Um, so how, how do we, as, as a company, if, if one of the people listening here, they want to run a customized email campaign with us, how do we segment our database of a million subscribers so that we can help them find the people they yeah. want to target? Um, so at Azo Network, when um, someone signs up to our emails, we make sure that we're capturing a number of key details about that um, person. Um, so that will include information about their their interests, their their job role, the, um, the organization they work for, and in some cases, the even the stage of the, the buying process that they're currently at. Um, then once we've got all that information, uh, we, that allows us to filter subscriber list basically as and when we need to. Um, and then that allows us to send highly targeted emails uh, to very specific um, segments of our of our subscriber list, uh, in an effort to make sure that you know we're only sending content to subscribers that are likely to engage with with the content we're sending them, uh, whether that's our own content that we've produced ourselves or whether we're sending content to our subscribers on on the behalf of our clients. Perfect. Uh, just one more question for me, Torsten, before we tackle some audience questions. Uh, just before I do get to that, though, I saw a couple of notes about the recording. Uh, so, yeah, the recording will be available to everyone who's registered. We'll be sending that out either later on today or first thing in the morning UK time. So within the next 24 hours, everyone will have uh, will have that link. Do share it with your teams. If you found this content useful, we'll also be doing a, a blog write-up in the coming weeks as well with some of the sort of key takeaways from Torsten's presentation today. Um, so, so yeah, final question for me, Torsten, have you got any, and there's a couple of questions about this as well. Have you got any, uh, without naming any sort of specific clients, have you got any examples of recent success stories with email newsletter campaigns? Yeah. Um, so one that comes to mind is that we, we recently worked with um, a client to help them promote their products. Um, it was quite a, a small campaign uh, to begin with anyway. Um, and we were basically just putting kind of product sponsors in our newsletters. Um, and because they were just, it was, we were just showcasing products. Unfortunately, we didn't see much, much success. Um, so we, we went back to the client and said, you know, let's have a look at some other content we could, we could feature in the, in the newsletters. Um, so we worked with them and we were able to produce some kind of thought leader pieces of content, such as, uh, I think an ebook and some, a couple of interviews. Um, and then using those in our newsletters, um, we were able to, um, generate a much higher response. And, um, we saw, you know, a substantial surge in the, in the leads that we were able to generate for them. Um, so yeah, that really kind of demonstrated the, the, the power of combining 
high quality content with the targeted email marketing. Perfect. There's uh, there's loads of questions, TC. So let's try and um, mm-hmm. get through as many as we can. The, this one's asking, I think, referring to if you're doing multiple sends to the same target audience, what should the frequency of emails in general be? Should it be once per week? Let's say webinars in four weeks. Should we be doing one a week, or should we be doing it less frequently than that? Any thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Um, yeah. So I think well, the way we do it is you know, you space them out as, as much as you can. You don't want to be doing them all, you know, one day after another. Um, you want to make sure that you're spacing them out where possible. Um, in regards to more kind of generally, how often should you be emailing your subscribers? Um, it, it Again, it's going to be one of those things that, that varies um, and it, you're going to want to be able to to test it. You might find that certain segments of your audience uh, are okay being emailed more frequently, um, whereas you know, maybe new subscribers, they're going to be not wanting to receive quite as many emails from you. Uh, what do you think, in, I'm just thinking again about webinars here, what do you think about inviting people the day before, two days before, the day of even? Is, is that a failure or is that too late, do you think? Um, I think if uh, no, I think it's a it's a good idea if people have like an awareness of the of a webinar, for example, um, but they've just not committed to that action of actually signing up yet. So I think a day before is a is a good kind of last chance reminder to to make them commit to the action. So um, yeah, I mean you you might find if it's the first time they've they've seen it, then they they're probably not going to sign up. But if uh, if it's been a something that's on their mind that it's a it's a good way to remind them to to sign up yeah perfect uh, a couple more sort of questions about best practices and things like that so nancy's asking what is the best day of the week time of day for emails mm-hmm. um for us i can tell you what we found for for azo network again it, it might vary depending on on your own company but um for us we we generally try to avoid mondays and fridays um Mondays, obviously, first thing in from the weekend, everyone's inbox is, get, is getting overloaded with various tasks that need to be completed throughout the week. So we try to avoid that kind of that that rush, that first Monday morning rush. Um, so we find between Tuesday and Thursday that they perform a bit better for us. Friday, again, people kind of switch off a bit early for the for the weekend friday afternoon any emails that come in at that point we find that the, the people aren't quite engaging as much um so yeah tuesday wednesday thursday is is when we aim for um the other thing on that though is is uh, at Azer network we make sure that we only send emails between the recipients eight o'clock in the morning and 4 p.m in the afternoon so uh, that's local to to our subscribers, so we don't send emails outside of those times to to ensure that, or to try and make sure that the subscribers only get our emails when they're at their desks. Perfect. And um, I'm going to just show a quick poll, which should be appearing on the screen or just popping out on the screen now. So it's basically asking if you are interested in talking to our team about our email solutions. Just click yes on that. We'll get someone to follow up in in the next couple of days, and we can talk about how we can potentially help with uh, help with that. Uh, this next one, Torsten, they're asking about they're having trouble distinguishing clicks uh, by spam 
bots uh, and basically detecting or distinguishing the difference between spam bots and real clicks, um, which is messing up their statistics. Can you recommend any strategy to get better data? I think we have a built-in system that prevents that, if I'm not mistaken, something Ben's built. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, yeah. To be honest, I'm I'm not sure we personally. Well, for Razor Network, we don't see a lot of clicks from from bots. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it probably would depend on which uh, email platform you're using. But I would have, I would have thought that if it's, you know, relatively relatively sophisticated, it should have something to combat that. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have to have a look into that, I think. Yeah, so we'll, we'll probably get back to you, Stephen, with some some uh, more insights on that. I guess one thing they could potentially do is if they had sort of um, 20 email ref- for reference, calculate how many bot clicks they've had over those 20, mm-hmm. have a percentage, and then just minus that percentage off there. If they're looking just yeah, for benchmark I mean, stats. As well, it might be... Um, you might see that after you've cleaned the list, you might see a, a reduced rate of, of bot clicks and things like that to, you know, make sure that people are, well, that they're actually people that you're sending your emails to. Um, that might help with that. Yeah, so the the next one's asking about the top five online email tools. Um, ours is self-built and built in-house, but previous to that, did you use any of the other ones sort of? Um, yeah. Um, so with a lot of our clients, a lot of our clients uh, use uh, WordPress. And so I know there are quite a few different uh, WordPress plugins you can use to manage your, your email lists and send emails. Um, there's also um, MailChimp, which is one of the one of the more popular ones. Um, HubSpot as well, of course, has its own uh, email platform. Um and then there's the other one I can think of is is MailerLite, although I've not actually used that one myself. Yeah, MailChimp's what I've used previously, which is why I asked the question about the different um, um, Gmail's outlooks, etc. Because we'd send things from from MailChimp, and it would look completely different on different different ones. So the first time we used it, we all had a massive panic, and then worked out what was going wrong. So that's why we referenced that question. It's worth worth doing lots and lots of testing when you're sending out your emails. Another question about guidelines for email subject lines. I know you gave some thoughts on sort of lengths um, and within the presentation, within the ebook, there's some data that we've, we've researched, we've done about the different words to use. I think it's an introduction to is always the, the most successful. Um, and then usually purchase words like buy now and things like that tended to be much, mm-hmm. much lower. Uh, any other thoughts on, on subject lines, Torsten? Yeah, so I mean, it it kind of plays into um, making sure that you're sending your emails to the to the right people at the right time. So um, the majority of your list, I would I would uh, guess, is going to be you know they're not going to be at the stage where they're ready to buy something. So that's why you're always going to find that more kind of introductory content is going to perform better. You're going to see more clicks on that, um, whereas emails and content that says buy this product are, are not going to do as well. But obviously there's, you know, there's a more direct correlation to the, to the value of, of those clicks than, than the introductory content ones. Um, so making sure that you're only sending product emails to, to people who are in a stage where they're more likely to buy, um, that's going to help um, keep your subscribers engaged. If you're sending 
content where you're asking people to buy a product and they're, they're only in that kind of introductory stage you might be at a risking kind of disengaging with those with those um subscribers so yeah finding those those um those pieces of content that, that appeal to a large audience and then being able to filter your your subscribers um as they progress along along that um uh that path to purchasing something yeah so you sort of using your data insights to have a good understanding of your audience mm-hmm. and making sure that you're sending the right stuff to to the right people and um, We've got a few more questions just before we move on to those. In the handout section, there is a content calendar. And I just want to quickly show everyone how it works, if I can share my screen quickly. There we go. So, yeah, so there's four there's four handouts. Uh, the bottom one is the content calendar. So this is a live um, calendar which shows uses a traffic light system to show what we've got coming up in terms of our newsletters. So you can tap in anything into search anything into here and it will come up. So if I check men's health, for example, you'd be able to see when the next editions of that, this one's green, which means the headline sponsor is available. Uh, Amber means there's a feature available and red is fully booked, obviously. So if you, uh, if you are interested in sponsoring any newsletters or at least exploring what it is that we have available, there's over a, 100 is it 100 and what is it now tc yeah 110 almost 115 around that kind of area so there's loads there's lots of sponsorship um opportunities uh, with really good targeted audiences so uh, do explore that uh, and that's how how that pay, page works so you can check that out in your own time and download that from the handouts uh, let's try get through a few more if we can this is an interesting one from thomas he's saying his email list is small sort of less than a thousand should he be doing anything differently because of the small size of his list um no i I don't think so i think all the 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 strategies still apply um i mean i would ask maybe is it small because that's just the the size of the 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 industry or the market that you're in or is it small because um you know your your sign up your opt in um strategies could be more impactful um but yeah in terms of the strategies i'd say that that they're probably they're the same in some ways it's going to it's going to be easier to kind of split up your lists into into various groups um might be fewer groups overall but um it should be yeah generally it's generally the same strategies yeah in, in many ways it might be even easier cuz you can Obviously, we want to try and personalize emails as much as possible so the reader feels like it's being directly sent to them, even if it is being sent to thousands. But you can, if you've got a list of a thousand, then you can really get to really get to know them yeah. on maybe a bit of a deep level. Maybe, Thomas, if you could comment, is it a small list because it's a small industry or uh, are you just getting started? Maybe share something in the chat and we can maybe pick that up afterwards. Um Okay, so so this one from Jeffrey's saying they've heard from other industrial publishers who are saying the best open rates are are Saturdays and then very late afternoons when recipients are winding down from their days Mm -hmm. or people catching up on a Saturday. Um, Any thoughts? I know you said Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays when we tend to send out most things. Uh, Any any thoughts on that? Um, Well, we have found that that Saturdays don't work as well for us. but as I say, it, it's it's going to depend on you know your your company, um, your subscribers. Um, I'm always a bit hesitant to kind of look at 
industry standards uh, because they do vary so much between company to company and and audience to audience. So, um, yeah, it's more about just finding what works for your individual company. Yeah, so something we've sort of flirted with the idea of running webinars on front, not the weekend, because I'm not sure anyone's going to tune in on the weekend, but we thought about doing sort of Friday lunchtimes as opposed to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's when most clients tend to want to do them. Uh, So we have suggested that some clients try a Friday lunchtime webinar, but... um, no one seems to be ready to take the take the plunge. Maybe we'll have to do one first and then yeah, see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> see how it goes. Yeah. I think we've pretty much covered everything that's in the chat. So I think we'll wrap it up there. Let everyone get a coffee before their next meeting. A big thanks to Torsten for sharing his time and expertise with us all today. If you've enjoyed listening, then please think about leaving a review on your podcast provider, sharing this episode on social media or with a colleague that you think will also enjoy it. This podcast was edited by Jao Pinto and Rebecca Turpin and was brought to you by Azo Network. We'll be back again soon with more special guests for the marketing science community. We hope you can join us then. And until next time, take care and thanks for listening.